ReachMD XM157, each hour at this time, presents a special series, Focus on Men's Health. Are health courts a solution to the medical malpractice crisis? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Doug Wachesek. Mr. Wachesek is the founder and spokesperson for the Sari Works Coalition in Edwardsville, Illinois, a nonprofit group that includes doctors, lawyers, insurers, and patient advocates who promote full disclosure and apologies as a solution to the medical malpractice crisis. Doug Wachesek, welcome back to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. It's good to be talking with you and your listeners. What are health courts? What are health courts in short order is an idea to remove or move typical med mal lawsuits and litigation out of the usual court system into a specialized court system of trained judges and panels of physicians and other healthcare and legal experts who are supposed to have some sort of special training in addition to evaluate these claims on a fair and impartial basis and, and come up with what the proponents say is a more reliable way of judging fault or not fault in different cases. Who proposed this idea? This is an idea that's been around for a long time. You know, for years states had these special health care tribunals. You know, that was something back in the eighties and nineties and a lot of states have gotten away from those because they didn't really add anything. In fact they just dragged cases out and they made families and sometimes physicians angrier. It didn't really work that well. The leading proponents right now for health courts, this redo of the health care tribunal things is a group called Common Good, led by Philip K. Howard, and they've been working on this so I'm gonna guess the last four to five years in earnest. What are the arguments in favor of health courts? Well, what they're saying in favor of health courts is that it's going to streamline things. It's going to take the unpredictability out. I think when the health courts folks talk to providers, doctors, hospitals, insurance people covering doctors and hospitals, they like to say that it can maybe be a friendlier venue for doctors if they get sued because it'll be physicians that are judging the cases or some physicians will be involved evaluating the medical care as opposed to a jury of 12 lay people. So those are some of the pluses, as the proponents say. Tell us what the opponents of health courts are saying. What the opponents are saying is, again, you know, states have tried these health care tribunals in the past, and, and they've kind of gone away from them because of the fact they just drug cases out. They really didn't deliver on the promises. They became boondoggles for political supporters. What the new thing we're saying now is that two things. To get health courts enacted, like common good wants, you're talking about one heck of a political fight. Philip K. Howard, the leading proponent of this idea in the United States of America, is has promised people it will take about 30 to 40 years of political fighting and judicial reviews to get health courts enacted. And there's no guarantee it'll happen. You know, there's no guarantee he'll beat the trial bar, no guarantee he'll get the politicians to all agree with him to go along and do this. So you think about it, a first-year medical student today to go through school, to go through residency, go through his or her entire career, and retire and not have any reform if he or she waits around for this health court's idea. The other problem with the idea is that, you know, like a lot of the tort reform stuff out there, it's misdirecting people from where the problem lies in medical malpractice. This is not, you know, as we say in Sorry Works, medical malpractice in many ways is not a legal problem. It's a customer service problem. People sue because they get angry, not because they're greedy in most cases. They're angry because... They had customer service after something goes wrong. Doctors won't talk. They run away. Nurses won't talk. They run away. Hospital administrators cover things up, and that makes people very angry. 
which catches the attention of trial lawyers, which catches the attention of judges and juries. That's not a legal problem. That's stuff that can be solved with good customer service, and that's what we talk about in Sorry Works. Are there any health court pilot programs in place that you know of? Not that I know. I hear stuff every so often where legislators at the state or federal level are batting stuff around, but not that I'm aware of, no. How do you respond to those who say Sorry Works is an alternative reform measure to the medical malpractice crisis? What we say is we're not an alternative. Sorry Works is the solution because, again, as our friend up at University of Michigan says, uh, Rick Boothman, who you know, has one of the leading disclosure programs in the country, you know, this is not new stuff. You know, we've known for 10, 15, 20 years why people sue, and it's because they get really angry and they get really upset when people won't level with them when something goes wrong in a hospital. Dr. Gerald Hickson and a whole group of people have done peer-reviewed research on why people sue and why doctors get sued. And again, it all comes down to not the errors, but the bad behavior surrounding the errors. So when people say that we're just an alternative or, you know, the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month, I say to those folks, you obviously, when you say stuff like that, that you don't get what MedMal is all about. Again, it's not a legal problem. This is a customer service problem. And in many ways, putting together good customer service programs like SorryWorks can diffuse litigation in most circumstances, especially circumstances where there's a legitimate error. And in cases where there wasn't a legitimate error and litigation moves forward, then you're going to be building great evidence to protect you in court or protect you in arbitration. And that should be the name of the game as well. Is there a group capturing the stories and the successes around this initiative that you're behind? Well, yeah, it's our group in many ways, the Sorry Works Coalition. We're working across the country. We have a weekly newsletter that we put out that, you know, we put out the success stories and the different things that are going on out there, and there's a lot of them. A month ago, there was a great story up in Minnesota, Park Nicolette Hospital, where a patient came in to get a cancerous kidney removed, and they removed the wrong kidney. And the hospital immediately took ownership of the situation. They put out a memo to all their employees. They put it on their website. They knew this memo would get out to the media and to the public at large. And basically what the memo said, it really summed it up nice in the first three or four lines. We made a tragic error. We accept full responsibility. We're working with the family, and we're going to get through this. There was no hedging, no weasel words. You know, words like mistake and error were in that memo. And the rest of the memo, they went into great detail what they did wrong and how they're working to fix it so it doesn't happen again and so this family can be helped. You know, there's all sorts of stories like that popping up every day every week, and we're telling that story and, and helping move the disclosure movement down the field. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Doug Wachesek, founder of the Sorry Works Coalition, discussing solutions to the medical malpractice health crisis. Doug, you've written about the recent troubles in the airline industry and how they teach us lessons about health care delivery. Tell us more. Well, yeah, there was an article that came out a week or so ago. I believe it was MSNBC that put it out. It was entitled Taking the Court. And it talked about how, you know, and this shouldn't be news to anyone <laughs> in your listening audience. You know, most, if not all of us, fly. And some of the troubles out there, you know, delayed flights, canceled flights, people getting bumped off flights, and all the bad behavior you get out there. There's a growing number of airline customers that are taking the airlines to court. They're not putting up with the stuff. They're not putting up with calling 1-800 numbers so they can be blown off by some customer service person, quote-unquote, that doesn't take good care of them. And what they're finding is when these customers get to court, they're finding sympathetic ears in the judges and juries because guess what? 
Judges and juries are airline customers, too, and they experience the same problems. And I think the lesson is there's two lessons. One, people are suing, not because they're greedy. It's because they're angry because no one will listen to them. So they're getting the airlines to listen to them in a different fashion by taking them to court. And when they get to court, they're finding sympathetic ears because, again, these people are airline customers, too. They're paying customers, too. You see the same similarities in medicine. You know, people sue because they get angry. And when they get to court, those 12 jurors and that judge... Their patients, too, and their family members, too. So they see that anger and they feel it, and they get sympathetic. And the doctors, you know, with this deny and defend risk management strategy they've been practicing for decades, they shoot themselves in the foot every time. You know, you juxtapose that to an airline like Southwest Airlines. We talk about them a lot. Great customer service. Everyone thinks Southwest gets passengers and is profitable because of the low fares. That's a big part of it. But as a person who flies himself a lot, I can tell you a big reason that they have such a loyalty with their customers is because they take care of customers and they don't play games with them and they fix problems quickly when they occur. doesn't mean they'll always admit fault. When they didn't make a mistake, they'll stand by their employees, which is important. But they take care of their people. And they have a lot they can teach us well, and we talk about them in the newsletters as well. What feedback are you receiving from doctors about your new book, Sorry Works, Disclosure, Apology, and Relationships Prevent Medical Malpractice Claims? Oh, thank you for asking that. We're getting tremendous feedback on our new book. Uh, We've had it out there for about four months now and sold thousands of copies. We're on on OprahSelect.com and just gotten a lot of great response. And people just tell us it's very readable at 103 pages. Even the busiest doctor, the busiest risk manager, busiest attorney, can take time, find time to read this. It's very concise and to the point and gets to the nuts and bolts, the how-to of disclosure. Because, you know, a question I get asked by a lot of people, a lot of media folks, folks like yourself, is, you know, where is the disclosure movement right now? What I tell people is we've kind of moved away from the should we do this to how do we do this? And that's why we wrote the book, to teach people how to do disclosure and apology. And it's really resonating and finding a great audience out there. For listeners who haven't had the pleasure of hearing you before, would you give an Apology and Disclosure 101? Apology and Disclosure 101, it's really a three-step process that people need to consider. When something goes wrong in a medical setting, the first step is empathy. I'm sorry this happened. I feel bad for you and your family. Hand-holding, crying, hugging, you know, putting your arm around somebody, all appropriate. Notice, even though I said I'm sorry, I didn't apologize. I empathized. And the important thing in the immediate aftermath of an adverse event, only say what you know. Don't speculate. Don't cast blame. Don't, don't guess. Just simply say what you know, which is, hey, I'm sorry, and we're going to do an investigation and look into it. The second thing is to do that investigation, do it as quickly as possible, because you don't want the family or the patient to think they're getting the runaround or people are stalling or playing games. And your investigation is going to show one of two things, basically. Either you made a mistake or you didn't. You breached the standard of care or you didn't. Now, of course, if the standard of care is breached, that can be a little more complicated because where does responsibility lie? Was the doctor's fault? Was the nurse's fault? Was the hospital's fault? You know, who owns what? Obviously, that takes a little more thinking. But at the end of the day, you're going to try to determine was a mistake made or not. If there was a mistake, you're going to go back to the patient, go back to the family. You're going to meet with them, meet with their legal counsel if they have an attorney. You're going to apologize. You're going to admit fault, explain what happened, and discuss and talk about, you know, what's fair compensation so everyone can move on their lives. What that does, that takes the anger on the situation and the incentive and the motivation to file a lawsuit in most cases. It takes the incentive out of the patient or the family. It certainly takes the incentive out of the trial lawyer because they got nothing to complain about in court. They want to complain about cover-ups, not about honest, contrite doctors. On the flip side, if there wasn't a mistake, the investigation shows the standard of care wasn't breached, you still meet with the patient or family. You disclose everything you know. You talk about how you did your job and how, even though this is an unfortunate situation, 
the standard of care was not breached, and you prove your innocence. So that's Disclosure 101 in about 70 seconds. Doug, how can listeners learn more about your organization and get your book? They can come to our website, sorryworks.net, S-O-R-R-Y-W-O-R-K-S.net, or they can call 618-559-8168, or www.sorryworks.net. Doug Wachesek, thank you so much for joining us to discuss solutions to the medical malpractice health crisis. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be talking with you again. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, presents a special series, Focus on Men's Health.